Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. The church. When you hear the word church, what comes to mind? Hard, uncomfortable pews? The organ? Unsingable tunes? Long, boring sermons? Time for a quick nap. (laughs) There's a story of a vicar who was showing this boy around his church and when he got to the part where there was this memorial, he said to the boy that these are all the names of the people who died in the services. (laughs) The little boy asked, did they die in the morning service or the evening service? (laughs) Some people associate the word church with the clergy. If someone's going to become a minister or a pastor of a church, they're said to be going into the church. And people embarking on such a career are often viewed with suspicion. And there's often this assumption that they must be absolutely incapable of doing anything else. (laughs) Hence the old church advert that appeared in the church press, Are you 45 and going nowhere? Why not consider becoming a Christian minister? For others, they will associate the church with the building. As if the building is the church. That's what I love about the Welsh concept of the chapel. Because it makes a very clear distinction between the building that the church meets in to the church. But what exactly is the church? There are three crucial elements that makes a church a church. And these three elements are intimately interlinked and interconnected and inseparable in many ways. Firstly, the church is a community of people. The church is the people of God. The Greek word ecclesia actually simply means gathering, assembly. That's the word that's translated church. It means just a gathering or assembly of people. In fact, it can refer to any gathering or assembly of people. For example, in Acts chapter 19, the word is used to describe a gathering of a violent mob that was opposed to Christians. So what makes a particular community of people, a gathering of people, the church? In other words, what makes us gathering here together the church while any other gathering is not? be it a social club or a sports club or whatever. In order to know what makes a particular community of people the church, we need to go back to the book of Acts because it records in Acts chapter 2 the birth of the church. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 states, on one occasion while he that's Jesus, while Jesus was eating with them, Jesus was eating with his disciples, his followers. 
He gave them this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you remember how the story continues, and it's not long afterwards, that Jesus ascends into heaven, and then in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends upon the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, and the church is born. So what were the crucial elements that distinguished this community from any other? Firstly, they were followers of Jesus. And secondly, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The church is a community of spirit-filled followers of Jesus. Again, we see the same pattern when Peter preaches his first sermon in chapter 2 and verse 38. Over there, Peter has essentially been asked by a group of people, what must we do to be saved? And in verse 38, we read, Peter replied, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So again, we see the two elements. Firstly, they need to be followers of Jesus by repenting, by turning their backs on their old selfish way of life, and by following Jesus by receiving forgiveness so they can be reconciled into a right relationship with Jesus. And water baptism merely symbolizes that repentance and forgiveness. Secondly, they needed to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit will literally unite you with Jesus because it's the Spirit of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit will also unite you with all other Christians. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, and he states there, For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body. That's the church. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were, we were all given one Spirit to drink. So the three cru crucial elements that make a church a church is firstly, it's a community of people. Secondly, who are followers of Jesus. And thirdly, who are empowered and filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Without these three crucial elements, you're not a church. In chapter 2 of Acts, in verse 42, we get the first look, or a look at the first church in the first century context. 
And we read in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Firstly, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostles within this context is referring to the twelve disciples of Jesus. And their teaching was essentially about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that is essentially recorded for us in the New Testament. Therefore, we as followers of Jesus need to be devoted to the teaching of the New Testament. We need to be a learning community that is continually learning more and more about Jesus. Secondly, they were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to the church. They were devoted to one another. In the New Testament, there is no mention of a Christian who is not involved in and part of a local church. It was just simply inconceivable. To be a Christian is to be united to each other by the Holy Spirit and to be devoted to the fellowship. And the first way we can express that devotion to the fellowship here in our church is by exactly what Jody has done by becoming a member. Now the word fellowship essentially means sharing your life with others. And we get a picture of this in the next few verses, in verse 44 and following. All the disciples were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. They were sharing their lives together. They shared their lives with each other with great generosity and love. Now this doesn't mean they were living in a commune because in verse 46 we discover they were still meeting in each other's homes. But it does mean that we need to share our lives with each other with great generosity and love. Thirdly, they were committed to break or devoted to breaking of bread, communion, which we've just taken, and to prayer. Now, through communion and through prayer, they are our primary ways of relating with God. So simply put, they were devoted to their relationship with God. They were devoted to worshipping God. And this is spelled out for us in verse 46 and following. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And as they were worshiping together, there seemed to be a real sense of enjoyment and gladness. There was also a sense of awe and wonder. What I find very striking as I read that is the sense you get that they were a happy community. 
They really seem to be happy and enjoying meeting together and praising God and worshipping God together. And the result of this, and the result of being devoted to learning more and more about Jesus, being devoted to sharing their lives with each other with great generosity and love, and being devoted to worshipping God together, the result of that we read at the end of verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, the church has a purpose. There is a reason for the church's existence, and the purpose is so that the church can mediate the presence and the love of God to the rest of the world. So that the church can be God's agent of transformation within the world. That's why Jesus said in chapter 1 and verse 8, You are my witnesses. The church has a purpose. But the interesting thing in verse 47, it states that the Lord added to their number day. It was God's work. Now, of course, God would have worked through their preaching and their teaching, through the way they, they were sharing in each other's lives with great generosity and love. But ultimately, they achieved their purpose by simply being the church by simply being a community of spirit-filled followers of Jesus and allowing God to work through them. By simply being devoted to learning more and more about Jesus, being devoted to the fellowship, to sharing your lives with one another with great generosity and love, and being devoted to meeting together to worship God together. And as a result, God worked through them. And they had a great impact on everyone around them. Tony Campolo, who is a Christian sociologist in the United States of America, and he's going to be the guest speaker at the Baptist Assembly this year, shares a story about a time when he went to Honolulu in Hawaii. And because of the time difference... 3.30 a.m. felt like 9 o'clock in the morning. And as a result, at 3.30 in the morning, he was walking around the streets of Honolulu looking for a place to have breakfast. The only place open that he could find was a, a, a very sleazy, greasy spoon cafe. But it was the only place open. So he went in and he ordered himself a cup of coffee and a donut. And this is what he says. He says, when I was sitting there, as I was drinking, sipping my coffee and eating my donut, the door of the diner suddenly opened and in walked eight or nine provocative prostitutes. The place was small and they sat beside me on each side and their talk was crude. He said, I felt extremely uncomfortable and completely out of place. And as I was busy planning my exit strategy, I suddenly overheard the girl next to me saying, Tomorrow is my birthday. Her friend, in very nasty tones, said, Well, what are you telling me for? What do you want from me? Do you want me to throw you a birthday party? What do you want? Do you want a birthday cake and for me to sing happy birthday? She replied, Come on, don't be so mean. I was just telling you. 
I don't expect anything from you. I don't want anything from you. I was just telling you. I've never had a birthday party before. Why would I expect one from you? Why would I expect one now? Tony then said, when I heard that, I made my decision. I waited there until all the girls had left the diner. And then I called the big bloke behind the counter and said, do these girls come in here every night? Yeah, he replied. What about the girl who was sitting right next to me? Does she come in here every night? Yeah. That's Angus. She comes in here every night. Why do you ask? Well, I just overheard them saying that it was heard her over heard her over saying that it was her birthday tomorrow. And I thought that you and I could throw her a birthday party right here tomorrow morning at 3.30. There was a pause for a while, and then slowly a smile came across the big guy's face. Great. I like it. That's a great idea. Tony then said, look, if it's okay with you, I will go and get a whole lot of decorations. I'll even go and get a birthday cake, and I'll bring it here tomorrow at 2.30. No way, said Harry. That was his name. The birthday cake is my thing. I'm going to make the cake. 2.30 the next morning, Tony arrives, and he's got. he's been to the store, and he's bought all these decorations. He's made a big sign out of cardboard which says, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And he decorated the diner from one end to the other. Harry must have got the word out on the street. It was at 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu arrived. Tony then said, it was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. At 3.30 on the dot, the door of the diner opened and in walked Agnes and her friend. Tony said, I got everyone ready. After all, I was kind of MC of the whole thing. And as they walked in, everyone screamed, Happy Birthday! Tony says, I've never seen anyone looking so flabbergasted, so stunned, so shocked. Her mouth dropped open. Her knees even buckled. And she looked really unstable. Her friend grabbed her arms to help stabilize her. And her friend slowly helped her to to the stool by the counter as everyone was singing happy birthday to her. When they got to the last line, happy birthday, dear Angus, happy birthday to you, her eyes started moistening up. But when they brought out the cake with all the candles, she just lost control and openly cried. Harry said, blow out the candles, Angus, blow out your candles. Blow out your candles or I'll have to blow them out. After a few seconds, Harry blew out the candles. Harry then took a knife and gave it to Angus and said, Cut your cake. Cut your cake. We all want some of your cake, Angus. Cut your cake. And Angus looked down at her cake and without moving her eyes, she slowly said, If it's okay, I mean, if it's all right with... What I mean is, if it's okay with you, could we not cut the cake yet? Is it all right if we don't eat the cake straight away? Sure, said Harry. You don't have to cut the cake now. 
You can take it home with you if you want. Can I? She said. And then looking at Tony, she said, I just live a few doors down the road. I want to take the cake home to my mother and show her. I'll come right back. Honest. She stood up off the stool, picked up the cake and carried it like it was the Holy Grail and slowly made her way to the door. Motionlessly we stood as she left. And as the door shut, there was stunned stillness. Not knowing what to say, I finally broke the silence by saying, what do you say we pray? Tony then said, looking back at the event, it seemed more than strange for a sociologist to be leading a prayer meeting in a diner full of prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. But it seemed like the right thing to do. He prayed for Angus. He prayed for her salvation. He prayed that God would change her life. And when he finished, Harry leaned over the counter and said, Hey, you never said you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? And Tony said it was one of those moments when the right words just come to you. And he turned around and he said, I belong to a church that throws parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. After a moment of silence, Harry said, no, you don't. No church exists. For if there was such a church, I would join it. I would join a church like that. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all join a church like that? Church. Mm. Church should be, could be, a group of people. People living, people devoted to following Jesus. Sharing your lives with each other. Holy Spirit led. Could we be a church like that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you desire to work through us. Father, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus to die for us on the cross, to rise again for us and to send your Holy Spirit so that we can be set free from sin, that we can join in to your body and become your church. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us real vision that comes from you. Help us to be that community of followers of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. Help us to be totally devoted to learning more and more about Jesus. Help us to have true fellowship, sharing our lives with each other, 
with great generosity and love. Help us to be a worshipping community. Worshipping you with everything we do and wherever we are. And Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would use us and empower us to go and make a difference for your kingdom wherever we are. Give us great vision. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.